last night, um, this wee man was just uh, was having a little yap outside at about 7 p.m. And I was like, come on, Cosmo, what are you in? And, and, and I saw it, I walked out to just see what he was yapping at. And he's just, like, he's just sat there, paws down, yapping. And I'm like, dude, there is literally nothing to be yapping about. Come in, open the door. <laughs> Michael Myers. You, you won't be able to see that properly. I don't know if you can. Oh. But that is basically the world's largest and most poisonous toad. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Of course it is. Like he's having a De Niro Pacino face on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's lucky yes. he couldn't get to it. Like, you know, he's lucky he didn't go and eat it or lick right. it or something. Yeah, that's it. If they lick it, you've got to wash their mouth out for like five minutes. And like a sh- oh, like a Victorian mother. And... <laughs> 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 Has that ever happened to you? Did you ever have your mouth washed out for using naughty language by Pat? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Maybe. It's such I'm a Bino, threatened. It's such a Dennis Menace thing to happen. It's such <laughs> like with bubbles coming out of his mouth. And then he swallows it and he's going hick for the rest of the issue. Hick. Bubbles coming out. <laughs> hick is a beautiful speech bubble. I haven't thought of. I still <laughs> say IE due to Bino and Dandy. Um, instead of saying, you know, if I fall over a hole when I'm walking by myself with the dog, but no one, no human to hear, and I stumble down a little hole, I go, aye, and it's because of Dandy and Bino. So, you know. <laughs> You've got a more than, um, more than likely uh, chance of that being your last word, Sheppy, really. Oh, yeah. No, genuinely. <laughs> genuinely. I tried to train myself around 2003 to say, oh, like Roger Moore in View to a Kill, which he does. They use the same sound bite seven times in that film, maybe six. But it's him going, oh. And I tried to train myself to do that instinctively. So that will be my last word. But it didn't take. I think I had it for about maybe 18 months. But then it turned back to IE because that shit goes deep, Jimmy. It goes deep. <laughs> so, yeah, IE for life work. I'm all about it. <laughs> Listen, I, I also want to say quickly, um, <laughs> um, my suggestion, I'm really on the fence. I've had two things which have sort of solidified in the last, however, like maybe three weeks or something. So, and I kind of, I just wrote the titles down on my page with all the stuff. So, and since it's my turn next, I'm, and it's between these two, and both of them are fucking left field, Jimbo. I won't lie to you. They're, they're That's good. More, they're both a bit more crazy, and I genuinely don't know. And it might be like ordering at a restaurant because I haven't made up my mind because they're both equal. They both came to me without even me thinking about it. I was like, oh, yeah, that would that would be that would work. So, um, but I really don't know. Both of them will make you say Jesus, Sheppy, and uh, it's all going to go downhill from there. So I'm just warning you now. <laughs> I can't wait. I've almost finished that tea. I, I got. I couldn't oh, help shit. myself, Jim. I guzzled. <laughs> it's on three bags now. That's amazing. I use a, an espresso machine that I brought out in 2014, Sheppy. It was my birthday present in 2014. It's actually <laughs> it's actually now part of my soul. <laughs> Is it the espresso machine from Live and Let Die in Roger Moore's kitchen? And does Bernard Lee stand next to it every time you use it and go, Is that all it does? <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> That'd be um, a better gag from Q, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's um, weird stuff. It's very strange. Um, <laughs> it's another loose end. That's my favourite of Bond's apartments, though. Would you agree? Yeah. Or? Yeah. yeah, no, I agree with that. The one in Doctor No looks like someone's grandma's place. It's really soulless and has boring, trained, like, sketches on the wall and stuff. Yeah, yeah, the, the more one is great because it's like a lover pad, obviously, but it's got, like, the raised bedroom. It's really nice. And the kitchen's really nice with that nice pattern. I know, I'm pretty sure we've seen Craig's one in... Yeah, but it's unmemorable, right? It's very unmemorable. I think it's just like a, a place with empty, essentially, but it, it, it has no character. Well, <laughs> seamless. <laughs> <Let me just. laughs> All right, I'll just go for it, Sheppy. Welcome to Shoulders the Giants. I'm Jim. Hello, I'm Sheppy. <laughs> and, uh, well, to, I'm going to go straight, straight in, Sheppy. Today, I set us a uh, a challenge to um, to, to sequelize the the 2000 sleeper super hit. 2000. Yeah. Oh, I put my own date. I was right. It really. <laughs> <laughs> I've turned into Rob Burgundy, Sheppy. That's, that's very specific. <laughs> I'll read anything that's in front of me. <laughs> it's his shoulders of giants. <laughs> Put the question mark. Okay. Um, I thought for a second you were going to give like I don't know what lies beneath two or something like the smash hit from two thousand, and I was going to have to suddenly come up with something on the fly, and that was my sitcom episode where it's like, oh no, I thought we were doing Ghost, but then I have to quickly do a Jessica Fletcher whilst you're saying your half and come up with something because I can't say, oh, I thought we were doing a different one. Yeah, classic. So Jessica Fletcher is your go-to speedy type. <laughs> it's my opposite, Scott Robinson. Yeah, Jessica Fletcher. <laughs> she bangs out a novel a day. Yeah, she perfect. bangs out more than that. Yes, um, it's it's solid stuff. <laughs> With apologies to the Lansbury estate. <laughs> <laughs> they love it. You know, I put all those kids through college. The amount of times I've watched Death on the Nile, I saw that it was <laughs> smashing. <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk about 1990s Ghost and, uh, well, sequelising it, Sheppy, a film that we saw in the movies together. We did. Oh, you see, that's a surprise. Unlike <laughs> most of the films we've talked about on Shows of the Time, this one ex- we saw together. <laughs> Who put an exclamation mark at the end of that <laughs> <laughs> In italics. This one we saw together. Uh, yeah, Jimbo, you're absolutely right. We, we did. And I believe now... Did we see this in Cranley Cinema or Guildford Odeon? Well, I have a, I, I have uh, three things I wanted to say about it, Sheppy. I'm just going to stay, start with the first one, which is a memory of this, which is linked to that experience that is probably, I think if I was to invest in a psych today and go and lie on their couch and think about my childhood, this would be one of the more traumatic experiences. <laughs> and I'm going to confess it here and now, Sheppy. It's a disaster. We, oh, we, saw, it, <laughs> we saw it in Guildford. Um, I remember that quite vividly because we went and saw it and then I think you got an earlier bus home and I went and got a haircut. I just seem to remember mm-hmm. going for a haircut after guys. Then I go back home and I think we saw it like on a, God, I don't know, but, but essentially it might have been like Saturday we see it. It's in Cranley, obviously, and then probably has a, a residency there for a while um, in the local cinema. And mum and her uh, partner at the time, Ian, want to go see it. And, uh, and of course, this is one of the biggest romantic movies 
<laughs> These two were raising three kids. They don't have much time for date nights or anything. And I I remember insisting on being taken to see it again because I loved it so much. Wow. And there is this sort of image I have of the three of us, me sat between the two of them, like eating popcorn <laughs> while they're trying to have a nice date night. <laughs> Wearing a sailor's hat, I, I see it, with yeah, uh, being a little, little with ringlets, being like, yeah, a Shirley Temple lollipop. Little rosy cheeks, <laughs> ruining everything. Massive cock block. Poor Ian. Yeah, that's that's harsh. Um, it's really that, harsh. That, that's amazing. I don't know if I knew. Maybe you slipped it to me like, ah, oh, you know, I saw, I'm going to see Ghost again, Chevy. <laughs> you know, sort of like you know, as a cool boy move, being like, you know, that's what I've done. So what do you think? I've seen it again. But I don't remember that. You certainly never told me the truth of ruining two good people's evenings and possibly their lives so so that's great stuff and so what was this the same day fresh from the haircut you no i that would be extraordinary i think it i think it's the following week i think it's the following week i want to say the following week same day would be a level of (laughs) (laughs) just just maniacal egotistical terror spreading out being like i'm going to go and see this meow 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 um yeah amazing jimmy um, um, so so you liked it then yeah man and I, i'm a fan i still am a fan just in prep for the i didn't re-watch it but i watched the trailer online yeah. and i got shivers sheppy and maybe it's something now about it's got this i'd imagine watching it now it's got this extra weight to you know poor old oh, patrick sure. swayze right like it, yeah, sure. but uh, but i think it's um i got little shivers watching the trailer again the trailer's one of those classic gives are, away are far you sure too much. It, it, it wasn't the um the Naked Gun two and a half trailer and you'll watch it by mistake because that gives me a shiver <laughs> from the director of The Brother of Ghost or The Brother of the Director of Ghost <laughs> yeah brilliant well it, you know what I'll say this uh, Ghost was one of those films that became instantly iconic like the scene to the Righteous Brothers song with the which is really cheesy and shouldn't have worked but I guess it was 1990 and no one knew what was going on but yeah, the whole pottery double fisting, <laughs> the uh, the uh, yeah, the the sculpting and so forth, uh, that was huge, and it instantly did become iconic. And now, when you do, when I hear Unchained Melody, I instantly think of like clay hands, like clay hands on top of mine, getting all smolchy. I don't know if I like it, but <laughs> yeah. It was a, it's an indelible image of the early 90s. That and Brian Adams, um, possibly if you count Wet, 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 those songs, um, yeah, really did a lot of good. The Righteous Brothers must have been very happy when the film Yeah, came. yeah. Like man. Queen with uh, Wayne's World. So, so you remember seeing, now was it just us uh, seeing Ghost together? We didn't go in a family. It was no, like you and me. So. I think it was just you and me, yeah. Fair play, very romantic. And how old were we? This is what the summer of 1990, I would assume. It was certainly. Yeah, I, I guess it must be. Yeah, yeah it was. Well, it was before our birthdays, so that's nice. I mean, a few years later, of course, we also went to go and see Indecent Proposal. So we liked a bit of like Demi, apparently. We cross genres, <laughs> Sheppy. We cross genres. We were. We were, we were your average twelve-year-olds just watching action. Forever young. Uh, yeah, yeah. We we saw it all. Um, 
I guess we have to, well, we don't have to, but I probably should tell the other story that's kind of part of our banter generally, Sheppy, which is, well, what is it is must be? I always, I always associate the film Ghost with Cranley Regal Cinema, um, because I assume because of this story and not, you know, so if, if you, if I was asked before you said that, Guildford makes perfect sense, but just because I associate Ghost with Cranley because of this other incident. What, um, what, what were we watching when the trailer popped up, Sheps? Do you know? No. I, I don't know. Yeah. No. 1990, and I'm going to assume first half of 1990. But honestly, it could be almost an angel. It could be bird on a wire. <laughs> uh, you know, the, it's, it's almost limitless. It wasn't arachnophobia or Rocky <laughs> Five because I was too scared. <laughs> Just let it go. <laughs> let it go. <laughs> I'll own up to arachnophobia. That was my fault for not seeing that, and I will get it forever. But I was scared by creepy, crawly buggies and John Goodman. Uh, Rocky <laughs> Five, I, I, I don't care, because that's, that's not a very good film. So I maintain. But I also uh, regret saying no to The Little Mermaid, which <laughs> I was also invited to, and I wasn't up to it. But I should have. <laughs> I missed out. Under the sea. This is the catalogue of portrayals where I've seen things where I should have seen them with Sheffy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Catalogue of portrayals is the name of my third autobiography. <laughs> um, well, look, I'll do this quickly, Sheffy, but it's it's something where, you know, it's one of those moments where you just sort of, I don't know, really, my, it, it's a seminal moment in, in my life. So we're in the local cinema. We're watching, we're about to watch something that's called A Bird on a Wire. The trailers are run. The, I, I'm, I'm not under, and look, we are going to mention real names here, I think, Sheppy. Um, just I mean, because, I mean, yeah. who's listening? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I don't think. Spinning headline upcoming. <laughs> I don't think I'm overstating it to say the prettiest girl in school was in the row behind us. And how old in was my she view, <laughs> we're both the same age. Let's leave it there. And um, and and you know, I was utter. This is probably subjective, but I think it could be argued objectively the prettiest girl in school. And um, and I, I had a mad crush on her. I was, you know. By objective standards, certainly three divisions at least beneath her in the school strata. <laughs> so that that kind of immediately <laughs> loses all the credibility. Not, of the story, not so much an in betweener, more uh, out from under. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we watch the trailers and um, and and Ghost pops up and and Sam Wheat as the name of the, the the main character Patrick Swayze plays at the end of the trailer. I can't remember why we turned around, or maybe she even. Let's just really go for it, Sheppy. She, she taps me on the shoulder. Oh, she's no, ahead. Yeah. She, she was ahead. She turned around. She's not. You're not getting away with the tap. There was so she tap. proacted this. That's amazing. We had already, already made contact when we sat down before the lights went down, and I did my funny finger thing to see if the lights were moving. Uh, we always said, "Hey!" And as we were sitting down, like, "Oh, hey, it's people we know from school." And she was sitting with some of her friends. Yeah, like three or four or five rows in front of us. So we we made. Contact contact and where you can say oh so so there you go so that's <laughs> and her nice. name i should have said which is going to be really important her name was sam lamb and uh samantha lamb that's really tough and it's sam lamb do you think her name was sam i don't know oh, <laughs> anyway burning bridges 
<laughs> yeah, really up on the Someone's weeping out there. <laughs> anyway, um, she turns around and says, Sam Wheathay has a nice ring to it. Now, <laughs> <laughs> my uh, surname is very complicated, Sheppy. We'll go into it here. But at the time, because it was hard to pronounce, I was just known as James Wheat. And, uh, and I guess, you know, she probably was just thinking, hey, it's Wheat, it's Wheat, and that's nice. I was thinking... Sam Wheat does have a nice ring to it. Will you marry me? <laughs> and I was thinking, what just went boy? <laughs> of course, took me half an hour to pick up that popcorn. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> that yeah. You know. So, so strong connections to Ghost is what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. And when we did see the film, <laughs> and so that's fair. Um, well, that so, ended yes. as well, by the way. You know. Oh, uh. <laughs> hearty, hearty memories and yes, yes I remember enjoying the film and I know I saw it probably on video and then it was on on Christmas day and we watched it in Cranley with my family and my grandpa was there and he commented at the end and actually not even but when, is it Willie or I'm going to say Willie Lopez yeah. Willie Lopez, Willie when he gets taken away by the nasty hell demons it's a bit intense and I remember my grandpa making like a quip, being like, oh, that's a bit intense, something like that. <laughs> and so anyway, that's just one memory I have, which I also have a nice fond memory of Christmas Day watching Ghosts with the family. Um, and then I did see it on DVD, I'm going to say around 2004 or something like that. Um, did you enjoy it then, Sheppy? I think so. But yeah. I, again, I, I, yeah, I'm sure I did, but I haven't. It was during like getting one, like getting DVDs for like one pound all the time and like getting ghosts and just having a nice time. Um, so I'm sure I liked it. But again, for me, it's very much a time in the place, early 90s in the cinema, a bit of Jimmy action. Um, and I remember, and also it is like a girly, datey sort of romantic film. But let's not forget, it's also funny and it's also exciting. And the stuff they do with the ghost, you know, like jumping through walls and between subway cars and stuff like that and sticking his hand through. There's a cool shot. There's loads of cool shots, but there's one where a guy walks into the, it's like Sam's point of view. And he gets, you know, the guy walks through him. So you see like inside his brain for like one second as it just passes through. Yeah, stuff. nice. Um, I forgot that. And there's a really good shot where it comes out of a mirror. It's a real Zemeckis wannabe. Um, and and, so, and the, the, so there's lots of really good initiatives pointed out it's directed by one of the guys who directed the Naked Gun films and Airplane, Top Secret. So this was a big departure for him. Yeah, I think all Jimmy over Sucker. was a massive surprise, wasn't it? It's just a big surprise yeah. and a big gamble and a big... Like, and yeah. I know a, a lot of people turned down the Swayze role, like Costner, for example, and all that, Cruz, all of those people were offered the Sam Wheat role and everyone turned it down according to Swayze on the DVD making of that I'm remembering from 2003 because they turned it down because they didn't want to play a dead guy. It's like, uh, because in that some way that would diminish their importance if they're not, I can't be in this, he's dead. It doesn't make sense. But that apparently how Swayze, he was like, you know, I was none on the top of the list. That's why I don't know. (laughs) So, um, so there you go. The other thing I guess Sheppy too is like, it absolutely catapulted well, Whoopi got the Oscar, but I think if yeah. I just can't help but feel that Demi Moore's career exploded yeah. after the movie, right? I think so. It was her when Harry met Sally. Like Meg mm. Ryan, she'd been in a lot of stuff before that, and, you know, 
profile stuff and successful stuff and often ensemble stuff. But and let's not forget one crazy summer. But um, yeah, Ghost did it made her pure A list. Um, yeah, absolutely. So nice. good for that. And she has this very intriguing haircut, which again, and it might have been. I don't know if I'd seen other Demi Moore films before that. It was probably my first Patrick Swayze film. So it was the film that introduced me to Patrick Swayze. I never saw Red Dawn. I hadn't seen Dirty Dancing. I hadn't seen Old Roadhouse. All of these things were in my future, as it turned out. But And, and Point Break hadn't come out yet. So, yeah, I think Ghost was my absolutely first introduction, perfect first introduction to Patrick Swayze. So there you go. There's another thing. Nice. And I remember the only other thing I have as a memory is just uh, <laughs> the, the Henry VIII, I Am, I Am yes. uh, song. and just Which you referenced in one of our texts the other day. Because again, <laughs> it's, this film with us is another us thing where it is indelibly connected to <laughs> you would sing. I think when you were at boarding school and you wrote me letters, I mean, I wrote back. It's like, when you used to bombard me with letters. And I think one, one of them was just a page of I'm Henry VIII, I am, that you just spent the time, no doubt, tittering into your buttered crumpet, writing I'm Henry VIII, um, over and over, same first, same as the first, I'm Henry VIII, I am. Um, so, yeah, that was a, a thing. What I'd hope I, I did there. I mean, I wouldn't have done it, but is do the I'm Henry the I am I am as one letter. Send another one going, second letter, <laughs> same as the first. <laughs> and then another letter with another I'm Henry wow. the So over three days. The tuck shop <laughs> that bars you for a month. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, amazing. So when was the last time you saw Ghost? Then? Oh, and yes. also, I'm going to say bloody 20 years ago or something. I mean, I can't right. bloody, yeah, I, uh, it's, it's been a long, long time. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually up for a revisit, just sort of been rethinking about out of it. Out interest, the... were you not tempted? And I say this as someone who did not watch, and I was thinking about re-watching it, mm. um, but I didn't. But were you tempted to re-watch it? Or did you think your idea, like it wouldn't, it, it worked without you necessarily revisiting to see if you picked up. Or was it like Mrs. Doubtfire, where I didn't remember much about it, but I remembered how it ended, and that's really the important thing in a sequel like yes. that. Uh, in the middle, Sheffy, because I feel like I watched this movie so much, like when, when you know, in that sort of early 90s period, I'll have seen it, I reckon, about 20 times. I've seen it a lot of times. And um, so I, I feel like there's so much of it is in the DNA, if you know what I mean. So I, I feel like I remember it reasonably well. It's a real Goonies wannabe. <laughs> and I just I want to. Well, I should caveat that. I wish I had watched it. I probably. You know, I, I will. I reckon. Like just talking to G, she seemed to be game, but we just slightly ran out of runway. And and I realised as I came to sit down to write it, <laughs> it's a classic. I genuinely had nothing. I was just interested in what you do with it. <laughs> so I, I had nothing, and it took. Actually, this has been. It's been the the pitch I've spent the longest on, and it and it's still not up to scratch. And I have a couple of little moments I'm going to need your help with, but um, but yeah, oh, yeah. it's uh, but it's uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy with some of the thoughts in it. Happy with some of the thoughts. I'm very excited, Jimmy. Um, um, but, well, with that in mind, was there anything else you wanted to mention about Ghost? I'm good, Sheps. If you are, are you good? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Unless there's anything, I will also say I mentioned my relationship with Swayze and with Demi. Um, with Whoopi, it's funny because she was obviously big in the 80s and I don't know when I first saw her, 
she was also in Star Trek The Next Generation, but England was a little bit behind um, with the airing dates. So I don't know if she had popped up in Next Generation yet. I certainly knew her of her Jumping Jack Flash. It's a guess, guess, guess. Can I say there, like, I think it's appropriate that we may or may not include from our beginning your Jessica uh, reference from Murder, She Wrote <laughs> as the typist, but I'm going to trump her with Whoopi from Jumping Jack Flash because Whoopi well, typing no, and Jumping Jack I, Flash. But that's unbelievable. The way she <laughs> types, it's unbelievable. It's like kind of like a bad film where the director hasn't really angled it or the cinematographer or whatever, where someone's miming playing the piano, but then like for one whole second, you can clearly see they are way off. Whoopi doesn't sell to me that she's typing. Whereas Fletcher, you, you know that Lansbury took like an all night typing cast for like, weeks and weeks and weeks to get up to snuff with that. She's using all the fingers, all the fingers. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't defend that. Because <laughs> I remember chuckling it at the time and even in the, in the moment. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being unfair. I'm sure some people can. But I just remember one shot where Whippy is lying on her back. With all yeah, that's where I was thinking too. Yeah, and she's talking to Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price. How far down the list was he? We want a James Bond type. Okay, let's get Jonathan Price. Anyway, and she's lying there and she's doing, and it's, it's, yeah, she's staring up at the ceiling. I don't know. I, I it must be possible that I don't believe I can't get on it. Well, maybe she reconfigured the, type, the, the, the board, Sheppy. She had a, a very specific dyslexia that needed the keys to be reconfigured. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> gobbledygook. The, the position of the keys makes no difference. It's the relation to the fingers and the keys. The keys could be in any order. It's like, oh, it doesn't matter that she's just like going crazy with her fingers, like a <laughs> Swedish chef gone wrong. It's like, yeah, yeah, but no, no, she put the keys in the right order because so, she knew beforehand exactly where her absolute bunkum. All right, <laughs> let's go for the pictures. So proud of myself. So, <laughs> I think you, you might be right. Should be. <laughs> So All right. um, tell me, have you gone with Ghost 2? Have you gone with uh, Ghost T-O-O? Well, Sheppy, I have gone with uh, a colon, which I don't often do, to be honest with you. No, so, I think you, um, you once uh, went off on one about your hatred <laughs> of colons. I'm really sure. <laughs> it's like there's 10 minutes on that. <laughs> I might have to retrospectively edit that out. Um, I just felt like actually Ghost 2... Um, or T double O maybe just for me feels a little bit trite if you know what I mean. Like yeah, on, it in is this trite. One. Um, I I was kind of joking for Ghost Two because it yeah yeah. So I, and I'm not actually even that happy with where I, I I was gonna go Ghost Colon Redemption. I've ended up going with Ghost Colon Salvation. So okay. um, and even then, it still it needs to go to the producers. You know, it's <laughs> the of Terminator. But, 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 you know, but, but that you know, but it's decades before. I, um, I'll say I want to. Uh, mine isn't called this, but now I want mine to be called the Ghost because I'm going to go full R. Pats styling. Oh, I like that. Or, uh, Suicide Squad, but uh, but it's not. <laughs> well, maybe maybe it is. I said this as a joke. Maybe spoilers. Mine is just Ghost Two because I couldn't nice. think of anything suitable after a colon, which you know there was yeah. no, there was nothing that lent itself, so I just went with Ghost Two and a. Proper two, numerical two, not a, you know, Roman numeral or anything like that. Nothing flashy, 
Nice, chefs. Well, look, I mean, I, I, I have to say, I'm going to be in big trouble here in all sorts of things. I'm going after the Catholic Church, spoiler alert. So wow. it's good. You know, I am absolutely going to be taken away by the, the hell demons at some point. Um, but that's all right. <laughs> Hopefully after no, I've said that. Well, we all saw it <laughs> Oh, please, God, yes. Amazing. What a callback. Um, but the, uh, so look, we've got Jerry Zuckerberg as director. Um, he's directing it a decade later, 2000, set I guess in 2000 as well, I'm going forward, 10 years later as well. Um, he did a movie around that time called Rat Race, which I never saw, but we might lose oh, that one. But is that any good? One of my, well, I mean, I've seen it once, but my dad um, and stepmom, they love it. So they won't be happy if you erase that film. But he can do two films a year. He can do a Shoot yeah. Jurassic Park one, two. So it's okay. <laughs> so I've got uh, starring Demi Moore. Whoopi Goldberg and Elizabeth Olsen. And I've probably got the order slightly wrong there. I'm go- I should probably put Whoopi first. Um, there's going to be a lot of Demi stuff that I go through because I've kind of got the beginning first act pretty solid. But then it kind of flips and becomes Whoopi's movie, but I haven't really thought it all full, fully through. Okay. Um, but the, And um, Elizabeth Olsen, you say? Yeah, I just looked around for who would have been the right age and who's an awesome who actress. So Elizabeth Olsen? So she's one division um, Olsen. So she's uh, the one who plays Scarlet Witch. And I, I, I rate her Sheppy after one division. I like her. How old was she? She's in uh, 10 years old. Okay. So uh, it's uh, yeah, she's rich. she's she's good and she's she's kind of the right age for this. Well, well, I'll be honest, she was probably it was probably when I was playing around with maybe she'd be old enough to be offspring of, but that's not where I'm going with her anyway. But but I wanted Fair to enough. be a young girl. I wanted to be like school age kind of thing. So um, 10, 11 years old. But anyway, it always comes uh, back to Sam Lamb. It always comes back. To Sam. <laughs> the humble it's like humbert humbert over here. <laughs> I loved a girl who died of tuberculosis. All right, thank you. <laughs> oh, God. Um, all right, so we open with Odomay Brown arriving at an old, uh, well, a very large sort of stately type home. Um, and we established through this little opening scene that she's actually only taking high level gigs now. Like, you know, she's sort of, she's not in, in the, um, is it, is it set in New York in Ghost? Yeah. And she, she yeah. like a Harlem kind of character. Yeah. I don't know, but, um, but basically she's not in, in that um, neighborhood doing sort of low level work anymore. She's going out to people who are a bit rich and helping them clear, you know, spirits and stuff from their houses and that sort of stuff. So she, she, she didn't know that she could commune with the dead until yeah. she met Sam. Before that, it was like a huckster and she was pretending to be yeah. a <laughs> So she's taken, um, uh, I guess, high level bookings now and that sort of thing. Like, And so um, she, in this scene, she's just supporting a snooty woman who I've put here is played by Lisa, I might be saying this wrong, Lisa Naimi. But the real life Mrs. Swayze, I thought that'd be a nice callback. Oh. By the way, quick nod, there's no Swayze in this movie, Shippy. Right. Oh, I'm of the view, and you may disagree, but I'm of the view. Let's keep that in its own little bottle. There'll be a there's a picture of Sam later, but like, you know what I mean? It's not like right. let, let, let's have him in heaven. He's in heaven now. There's gonna happy. be a Denim Elliott moment again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, isn't quite as bad as I remember. This is what I just it. recently watched Crystal. Yeah, Stone, I'll stop anyway. it. I refuse to believe it. Absolute <laughs> ridiculousness. 
Um, so anyway, uh, by the way, the, the real life Mrs. Swayze was played a model in She's Having a Baby. How about that? I don't know. Oh, yeah. so it all comes um, back. <laughs> so uh, this is actually a bit of a comedy scene to start with, where um, basically Odeme negotiates the resident sort of ghost that's sort of still knocking around the, the, this big house um, with... Lisa and Amy, like, kind of with a look, will you promise to, like, do get different curtains and yada, yada, yada. Like, they have a little bit of a, um, you know, a bit of a banter and they come to an agreement and then the ghost leaves and ladies, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's a bit silly, like, you know, it's about yeah, what kind of modifications to the house she's going to make and that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a, it's a fun scene, but you get the sense that Oda May is a little bit dead inside, just helping dead uh, rich people. Do you know what I mean? She's not, it's Can not a fulfilling be- job. Can she have like a little entourage of her crazy sisters or something? Oh, some amazing! Extra comic relief, and like she's Odame is like above her station because she's got this modicum of success. Yeah, so that's nice. She is going to have um, something that came up with quite late um, at, on her shoulder as well. Um, should be a bit later, but yeah, I like the sisters coming back. I'd forgotten about them actually. To about this is cool. So anyway, after that, we get to we 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 see Demi again. I think her name's Molly, isn't it? Molly, and she's yeah. kind of like life's going all right. You know, she's actually still single. I haven't had her move on particularly from Sam. Maybe she's been in a couple of days with her, but she's still like she's happy in her art. She's now doing paintings as well as clay stuff, and she's kind of she's been knocking out some beautiful images of heaven. Maybe I don't know. Like, do you know what I mean from what she's seen? And things aren't really selling though. This is a little bit of debt pressure and stuff on her. Um, we see her at home, yada yada, like generally at peace. Um, while we're following her around. So I guess maybe it's sort of a it's a cold open with the house. We get our ghost salvation or whatever. Then we are with Demi really for the most of the first act, right? So um we she's on the subway, she's minding her own business, and a schoolgirl, Elizabeth Olsen, stands to the side of her. And actually steals her purse uh, on the um, on the subway. Um, Molly sees her, calls her on it, says "Hey!" and the girl is startled and runs off. And Molly runs after her. Um, they chase through the station, um, and then Molly essentially snatches the the purse back from uh, the girl. Um, and actually, if the discerning viewers, if they were to rewatch the subway scene, would see Vincent Chiavelli, who's the yeah. guy who looks all creepy with the big eyes and stuff, who um, on the subway looking a little bit shifty, but sitting on the subway too. Nice. Anyway, nice so, he was in yeah. Amadeus and Tomorrow Never Dies and an episode of <gasps> The Next Generation and Batman that. Returns. Tomorrow Never Dies is a brilliant scene. I love that's yeah. my favourite Pierce moment. Yeah, yeah, it's up there. So anyway, the um, the the Molly's got her purse back, but then over the next few days, um, Molly just notices the girl has been following her around her life, like you know what I mean. At maybe at an exhibition that she's put up, but isn't really getting much traffic or whatever at the shops, etc. You know, but she she's she's just following her, so she actually catches her, um, talks to her. The two of them actually bond. Um, so this girl's still in her uniform sort of thing, you know, but they're, they're, so she should be at school kind of thing. And Molly's calling her on, on it being a truant, but essentially they get talking. They find some connection. I haven't really thought that through. They visit Molly's workshop where she's got all of her pottery and that sort of stuff. And um, Molly show her, shows her how it works. And actually, like, they talk as Molly's doing it and she she makes her a cup 
and I've sort of put not in a kinky way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. just, just, you know, just 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 a nice little bit of pottery yeah. to show her how the oh, film works. Actually, it's very sweet that she makes her a cup. That, yeah. that warms me a little. <laughs> <laughs> and um, whilst they're waiting for the um, the the kiln, you know, for the cup to be made, um, you know, there's a little picky of Sam Wheat on the wall. She's there like, can be this... like an indent, like a sort of like a big slab, but it's dried and it's just like two hands pushed down, like the back of a head, and like it's a bum print. And it's like, <laughs> it's the only thing I have left of Sam oh, when they had sex in the, <laughs> in the mess. It's amazing. <laughs> it must be next to the picture. And then uh, and she's like, um, and then basically she says, you know, um, and, and the girl, Elizabeth Olsen sort of challenges her, you know, oh, you never moved on. Like, you know, it's obviously been some time. And she goes, no, no, no. Uh, when you know, you know. And, and you've got all that to look forward to, she says to the girl. And then um, and and then I, at, 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 for, and I haven't quite got this yet, Sheppy, but they fall out. They have a little falling out um, in the room. Um, and and they leave on quite bad terms for whatever reason. You know, they have some kind of little friction, and the girl runs off um, and leaves. And um, and so Molly basically, with the mug or whatever, decides right, okay, she's she's going to try and like make this right again. So she obviously the girl's been wearing her blazer, so she goes to the Catholic school, the, the school um, that the girl uh, goes to with the mug, um, and um, she wants to give it to her a little peace offering or whatever. As she arrives at the school gates, though, she sees a memorial to the young girl there at the gates. And um, so she's um, she's basically obviously been, well, she, she's dead. And Molly has seen her somehow. And um, so she, uh, she, she kind of retraces all of her steps and starts thinking, crikey. And I guess I haven't really called it out later, but I guess the logic here for me, Sheppy, will be that both Whoopi and Demi have been exposed to heaven and they can actually see dead people in certain scenarios i guess so um the um she retraces all the steps and the places they were at to try and find her um goes to the subway we get vincent again saying you won't find her here um and then um you know basically uh i haven't figured out exactly how this little girl has died but but she finds her in the spot where she died now i have this here in an alleyway but i'm it's not there. It's something else. So I'll tell you, it'll become a bit clearer in a second when I get there. Um, anyway, when she finds the girl again, and when the girl is saying to her, I'm just stuck here. I can't, you know, I, I, I feel like in limbo. She's obviously in purgatory for some reason. She doesn't know what's going on, this little girl. And basically Demi says, I know someone who may be able to help. And um, and so obviously Odame is is the one. And they they find Odame. They're still in touch. Her and Demi obviously not seeing each other for coffee every day, but they're still in touch. And and Odame straight. There's no dynamic here. She doesn't have to sing Henry VIII to her fifty times. She's really game for helping. It's all good. Um, and and essentially the um, the, the the central conceit here is Sheppy that we've got at, at the school. We've got Gregory Itzin played uh, who played Charles Logan, the president in Twenty Four. I thought let's go with Tony Goldwyn esque. Tony went on to go and play quite a famous for the ladies president in Scandal. Um, Which and, uh, president is this guy? Because there were a few. So not Dennis Habert, obviously. No, so he he's like, the he looks Nixon-y a bit like one. Nixon. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. He looks like yeah. I saw him so, in something else recently, actually. Oh, he's brilliant. Awesome. But this is yeah. Nice, two thousand him, which isn't far off. Yeah, so it's yeah, in as the sort of yeah. the, the 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 Catholic priest 
over the school, you know, who's sort of uh, very creepy. Um, and yeah, and right. the, the whole point here is that, um, you know, she, this little girl had caught it's in being inappropriate with a young boy. Um, wow. And, um, and, and I guess was sort of conflicted and didn't know what to say or do about it, you know, and we get a bit of that in flashback or what have you. Um, now I, uh, I guess I'll give you the problem I've got with that. You know how how what what that really means, and then I'm just going to give you some other bits and bobs. And then it's basically done, right. Sheppy. But the um, I guess I was thinking this morning just before we even got on, like he can't kill her. I don't think he kills a little girl. I think that's just going too dark, right? So maybe there is an accident in the school of some sort, and he she could help her. It. Maybe yeah. maybe she witnesses it and she goes to run, and then she like runs in front of a horse or whatever. Yeah, something. I agree. Like there's an accident. He could help her and he sees a way out sort of thing immediately. Um, so anyway, um, we, we then have, you know, Molly and uh, Odame trying to kind of get to the bottom of what's really happened because they don't really, all of that stuff isn't, they're not privy to that. And, and um, the little girl doesn't really know what she's seen. So they're kind of, they're just unpicking the whole thing. And of course it's that, it's them being detectives in that basically. So I've got, um, I've got here basically, there needs to be a scene where Molly proposes Whoopi goes in undercover as a nun and Whoopi gives her oh. a big, amazing, all-knowing Whoopi eyebrow. Um, there needs to be... Well, apart from a... Whoopi doesn't have eyebrows, so there's the problem. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, maybe a scene where Whoopi's in the confessional or something stupid. We need to give her some comedy moments as well. Yes, um, yeah. We need... I had here as one little idea to pull through is um, Whoopi does have, maybe she's got her sisters, but she's also got Danny Glover playing a bit older and playing her dad. Um, and um, and since the last movie, her dad's passed away and is just hanging around in purgatory. And he thinks he's being useful all the time. And he <laughs> thinks that's why he's there. But every bit of advice is comically rubbish. I put that. And I think that'd be quite fun, like where yeah. he's just going, yes, yes, we could do this. We could do this this way. And then she's like, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> you know. we and use was... the melon as a hammer. Like, what are you <laughs> <Yeah>. talking about? <laughs> it's all that sort of thing. She's like, that's a nice um, can um, nice, uh, reunion from Colour Purple as well. Yeah, nice. um, and then I've got here then uh, at, at about uh, two thirds of the way through, um, we actually get the resolution on its end. We get the re resolution on Charles Logan, President Charles Logan. He, he, but the, the, the priest is basically confronted by Demi and Whoopi, and it goes south. Uh, and then, of course, he dies somehow. I don't think they kill him, but again, another accident. And then he obviously gets carried away by the dark demon, he thinks. Um, but when that's happened, Olsen remains like she's there. So they've solved the whole thing. Um, Olsen's remained and no one knows why she's still there. So we have this little moment of, a, oh, shoot, we've still got 20 minutes of movie left. Um, and Whoopi goes back home, maybe with her sisters to see her mum. And um, and there's just some little thing that she finds while she's at home, which is a small little um a little MacGuffin or something that's a clue that her dad helps her unlock as well, maybe. 
Um, and it's just about a friendship she had when she was a little girl. And she just remembers something and it just unlocks something, unlocks her dad. And her dad then does a Sam, like having been quite, I mean, much bigger character than I've given him credit for so far. Like, you know what I mean? All this is fleshing out, Shippie. But then he at that moment does a Sam and, and leaves his daughter. And there's a nice moment with the two of them there. But what Whoopi's realised is actually... You know, this little girl was probably friends with the young boy who was being molested. So it's actually now about trying to save that young boy. And so um, Whoopi and Olsen go back to the school and and the kid is, I'm not going to say he's at the point of committing suicide, but let's just say he's on the edge. Do you know what I mean? And he needs talking down a little bit. And um, and and maybe, maybe it is that dramatic, probably because it is third act stuff. And, and Whoopi inhabits Olsen and... Oh, sorry, Olsen goes into Whoopi like she did with Swayze, if you know what I mean, and and then is basically able to talk to him because the kid can't see her, and you know, and 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 say a few things about them being friends, and you know how he's got so much still to live for, and yada yada yada, and 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 the kid obviously doesn't kill himself, and that's happy, and then Olsen gets her closure and is able to to go up to heaven too. But, um, well, that's nice, man. I I have to say, I think the studio are not going to want to have quite so much priest molestation in their <laughs> good romantic sequel. You might need to change it to psychological torture, like they're really strict nuns. That's my studio note. They might be like <laughs> XA on the anal end. Just <laughs> definitely you know, not 20 years ago, Sheppy, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> possibly not. Dogma was still fresh. And ever. Everyone still went crazy about that, and it wasn't even anti-Catholic church it's crazy but yeah um fair play a dark it's like dark. Um, doubt i like it it is dark shippy da- too dark doubt of ghosts. demi's character needs way. some thought demi's character needs some thought i don't really know what's happening to her after the thing maybe i don't know you know i don't know needs maybe, direction in yeah. life. you know yeah demi demi needs some sort of push and she's not i mean by 2000, she, her star had dimmed a tiny bit, like 1990 exploded her, 94, you know, and everything. 95, of course, she was in my Batman trilogy capper, so that helped. But generally speaking, she was in The Scarlet Letter and uh, Striptease. And G.I. Jane, I think, underperformed. So she needed, like, something. So I can see why she did Ghost too. But she might have said, OK, but I need a larger role than Whoopi. So give me some meat um, and yeah. so you can have to come up with something. But I like it. I like it. I want to hear your chips. I'll say this. I don't know if Olsen, the third Olsen, was she acting when she was 10? Because I got I the impression, I don't know, maybe, I just got the impression that she stayed away from the limelight whilst her twins, you know, the sisters became massive. And then when they moved away from like acting and stuff. It seemed to me Elizabeth Olsen just suddenly popped up. Maybe yeah. she was in loads of stuff, but she was in you know, Marcy May, Manky Manky Melon Mango. And it's like, that was her breakout as far as I was aware. And I was like, oh wow, she's great. And then of course, Avengers and so on. Uh, yeah, it took me, I couldn't connect it. When you said the name, I was like 2000, can't be Scarlet Witch, but fair play, why not? You know, Let's discover maybe, a Sheppy in our universe early. Why not? If not, it's a little older than 10, but you could go ScarJo, you know, a couple of years after the Horse Whisperer, Ghost World type, 
He might be about 15, but that could oh, work. Ships, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I think um, the it's um, it's a it, it, you know what? Like I, I started with that thinking it might be you know the daughter of Swayze and Molly, but then I sort of moved yeah. away from that idea. So it could be any age, really. Probably it's a bit. Probably given the plot needs to be a bit older. It's a bit, a bit dark having little ten year olds running around being killed by priests. Um, <laughs> Fifteen year olds so. were okay. Yeah. yeah, sleepers was still fresh in everyone's minds. So yeah, why not? I love it. I want to say something totally random, but I keep forgetting. And I want to say it before I forget again. You mentioned the uh, Whoopi, of course, in the uh, sister act in joke in your film. You know, a potential Shoulders of Giants episode would be a third sister act, but much like Flight of the Navigator, they're making a third sister act as we speak with Whoopi. She's back. Um, wow. God only knows where it's going to be. But with that and triplets, which no longer is going to be Eddie Murphy as the third brother, oh. which is really upsetting, but it's going to be Tracy Morgan. It's like, okay, it would have been amazing if it was Murphy. Um, so that's a shame that that film... That is a shame. You know what yeah, I'll say about still... that Sister Act 3? Like, mm-hmm. at, at that level of um, time passing between a sequel and the general, you know, structure of the movies, for me, more birds than if you know that, but nice. the general structure of the movie is, um, it, it has me just worried they'll just retread, right? Same beats, same beats because it feels like people haven't seen a sister act in a long time so we'll have a quiet competition good luck you know so okay. maybe maybe who knows yeah i mean i will say just wasn't thinking about it you and me we saw sister act two back in the habit instead of seeing philadelphia uh, so i think we might have lost a bit of a cred <laughs> at that point in terms of our we we saw everything i maintain yeah. i was in love with lauren hill before her miseducation you know that's all good it's all good <laughs> <laughs> you kept me away from my burgeoning Banderas love, but never mind. I love it all nonetheless. Uh, so, well, no, so your Let's see your Sheppy, yeah. Okay, well, I want to say for the record, that was great. I like it. It was different um, and dark, and I like it. Uh, so, so good stuff. That's mad. Let's see uh, yours, yeah. All right. Uh, so, so I'm going, um, like I said, I could only really think of I did, you know, all of my coke ghost colon you know whatever you know the mystic river of life none of it you know seemed to really be necessary so I've just got the classic ghost too it's 1994 so four years later I decided uh, it's directed by Jerry Zucker it's written by uh, Bruce Joel Rubin who wrote the first one who incidentally have you ever seen Jacob's Ladder Jimbo he wrote that as well. I've never seen it. I want to. Good old Robin. It's no, good. I haven't seen it. Yeah. This this has shades of Jacob's Ladder in it, this ghost too. So that works with, with him. It's good, it's Jacob's Ladder. Um, so there's some strong vibes um, in the first half, especially of that sort of thing. Um, it's four years after the death and ascension of Sam. Now I'm going to keep referring to Molly as Demi. Just because when I wrote it, I just I just thought of it as Demi, and I refused to go back and change it to Molly. So I'm just going to say I'm not saying pa- I'm just going to go and say say, say Demi, um, even just because it's easier for me because I see her as Demi. Uh, but this stars indeed Demi Moore, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, and top billing 
Patrick Swayze. Oh, He's nice. back, 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 baby. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, those are the only three cast members I've got locked down. I've got placeholders, but there is, it's not time appropriate, so it'll be like equivalent song. But then again, I didn't know Tony Goldwyn before Ghosts, so that's okay. There's, there's that sort of thing. And we'll get to it. And there's another guy which I'll get to. The only other person I've got other than Swayze, Moore, and Goldberg is definitely is Mark Alemo, who's not a name that might be familiar to everyone, but I love Mark Alemo. He was in a lot of TV in the 80s. He's in like three different episodes of The Incredible Hulk as different people. And mostly he played Goldicutt, the nasty Cardassian uh, person in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And he's in Total Recall. Um, and he's very, very briefly in The Last Starfighter. So there you go. So Mark Lemos in this as well. And I'll tell you when he pops up. Um, so like I say, it's four years uh, later. It's in New York. And we immediately see uh, Demi. Uh, we see her out and about. And we see her life is in New York. Still, you know, in the 90s. I can't decide if she's going to have the same haircut uh, because she's, I identify Molly so much with that haircut, but maybe, maybe it's not. But I guess that doesn't really matter too much. Um, she's doing well. She is still an artist and a sculpture, um, a sculptor. Uh, she has a new boyfriend, but they're taking it very slow. Um, you know, I thought four years was enough so it wouldn't diminish too much. You know, she wouldn't be seen as betraying Sam. Hopefully, if it's four years, um, and you know she's again, though she's obviously still hung up on Sam massively. Um, but this guy, the guy who Demi is seeing, I mean, I don't know. This is one of the people. Maybe some suggestions. But ninety-four. I basically I see him in my mind as Tony Goldwyn, <laughs> but that's not to mislead you with the character or anything. But he, I see him as as Tony Goldwyn. But this sort of young handsome successful charming he's not smug but i've written here he has definite shades of gold um he has a good dalton put on a little american accent um, Dalton's is too big for, for yeah. this, okay. i think this is post bond um so i don't think i mean yeah i, I I'm, I'm not maybe maybe dalton but i i think pre-bond dalton could have done it but um, I think he's got too much baggage here. And also, I don't want to hear Dalton's American accent, but I don't think it's, it doesn't make me happy. And I don't want it to be English because then it's too kind of quote-unquote obvious as having the successful English guy who's like, come on, Molly. Ugh. Um, but I'm not going to rule out Dalton. It's just, you know, it is not a Dalton Hill. Let's let him audition. Yeah, oh God. Oh God, no. I oh, No, that'd be terrible. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Shepard. Not trying I'd to do to I'd, I'd go to pieces. Um, now, Gold, I'm just going to call him Goldman for the moment. He has an ex-wife. Now, the ex-wife, if, if this film was made today, she would be Catherine Hahn. But um, it's not. So a, a 1994 version of Catherine Hahn, who um, she's, you know, a bit passive-aggressive, bitchy towards Demi, but obviously because Demi's dating her ex-husband, but, and even more so because Demi met actually her ex, uh, you know, Demi met her current boyfriend through Catherine Hahn type, uh, because this, uh, this woman 
owns a gallery and she's displaying uh, some of Demi's work, uh, paintings and sculptures and stuff. And that's how she met the ex and then they sort of got together and stuff. So there's this kind of, it can be played humorously, like, but, but yeah, there's this like tension between them. Um, so, so that's all set up. And so, you know, and Demi is still sculpting and so forth. We see her out and about in the bustling streets. She's looking well. We catch a glimpse of her life. You know, it's busy. She's on the phone. She's feeding her neighbor's cat, who's called Mr. Bojangles. Uh, for some reason, she makes witty conversation with him. Oh, um, this is still, you know, it's like this. I see this starting a bit like Die Hard with a Vengeance, where you just get a sense of the busy Big Apple, and then it just cuts straight in to like, yeah, busy street, and she's just out and about. Um, and we set up Demi's life. She's in the uh, she's in the place, uh, the neighbor's flat, uh, feeding Mr. Bojangles and talking to him. Um, and she, and then on the, she's been in, told by the neighbor always leave the TV on so the cat won't get lonely. So she turns on the TV and we see uh, an advert uh, featuring Oda Made Round. And much like you, Jimbo, she's. I don't think she actually she's as successful as she is in your version, but she is definitely, she's getting a lot of business and she has this advert on the TV, which is very, very not, I mean, it's Ghostbusters type, but it's actually Ghostbusters 2 type where they try and redo the joke. And it's like, you know, they overdo it a bit in Ghostbusters 2, but it's like that. So it's like this seance and it's really cheap. And it's obviously all of Odomay's relatives as the other quote unquote actors. And <laughs> it's like, it's my, Oh my God, it's my ex-husband. And there's like some dude with like glasses. It's like a sheet over him, but glasses on the outside of the sheet, you know? And they're like, you've made a mess of my old apartment. Where's my train set? Oh my God. Or something like this. Is, is this sort of thing happening to you every day? Get May Brown to sort it out. So again, we both got the same sort of approach to Odomay's life at the moment, Jimbo. But in this version, it's, you know, cheap and cheerful. She's not going to nice places so much. She's just taking on everything which is you know it's this really cheap second hot cat you know second hand car type advert um so that's nice and that's funny and that sets that up um, you know, with this fake seance and, um, and stuff like that Flo uh, cheap floating ghoul fishing wire visible etc um uh, and you know the, the dialogue is stilted as fuck why Odame, you look like you've seen a ghost and Odame is like, I have all the time. And now for the low, low price of 600 bucks, I can do the same, and then to the camera, for you. Uh, so Demi leaves the building and Mr. Bojangles. Uh, am I ripping that off? Is there a cat in something called Mr. Bojangles? Because that's so, that can, yeah, it's so random, but it really, as I was writing it, it's just like, he's called Mr. Bojangles. If, that, if that's infringing, I can't see past the Robbie Williams song, Sheppy, at the moment. But yeah, I did. Well, not Robbie, but Sinatra. <laughs> Who did it originally? Sinatra. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, it's a swing thing as well, isn't it? There's a swing All song. Right. Like but Mr. I'm Bojangles. sure there's something with a cat. Um, but yeah. either way. Um, Love so, the advert, by the way. Amazing. <laughs> so Demi leaves the building, and she. we also see how she's friends with her neighbours and that whole cliche or trope. Uh, she's girl with the. Uh, she's friends with the girl in the local coffee shop, where she obviously goes every day. 
And it's like, hey, Molly. Oh, hi, Janine. How's the cat? Don't ask. That sort of thing. Uh, she's juggling meetings and appointments and she's got a date tonight with What's-His-Face. Um, Demi is about to cross the street after all of this setup. It's very quick and so forth. Um, and she's about to cross the street when a plumber's truck uh, with a distinctive logo on the side. Uh, the logo is, you block them, we'll flog them, with a three exclamation marks. I don't know why. Maybe the picture of, like, you know, Plumber Howe, who's there. on the like, Cool, Plumber Howe. Um, this, this plumbing truck, anyway, speeds by very fast and almost hits her. She's like, whoa. Um, so this has all been established, and she's having a busy morning, and, um, and she's hustling down the street, and she catches a tiny glimpse of a man watching her through the crowd, and it looks very much like Sam, but she's uh, sure she's imagining it. Uh, so she meets her boyfriend for a quick on-the-go breakfast that sets that up. She notices, um, he notices that she appears distracted because you know, she thought she saw Sam, but she brushes it off. She rushes to work. She has an encounter with an old friend in the street. It's only Oda Mae Brown. And they're just like, oh, what a coincidence. I just saw you on TV. And she's like, oh, and Oda Mae's really flustered. And she's like, oh, well, you know, and much like you again, Jimbo, they've kept in touch and, you know, they've been through a lot, but they don't see each other. In fact, it's probably been about eight months or so since the last time they've seen each other. Um, they mention uh, Odomay's busy schedule with a hotline and psychic lifestyle. Um, so what starts as a light and breezy convo, it does turn slightly weird and Odomay is acting strangely and Demi confronts her, and you didn't just happen to be here today, did you? Is this to do with Sam? But Oda May, like, brushes it off big time and flounces off, I got a girl, girl, I got a girl. So, so she goes, Demi um, hurries about her business later on in the day. She sees Sam, she sees him again and again. She sees him in the cafe and at the gallery where she goes um, and meets the ex-wife and all of that stuff. She sees him, like, on a bus or something. Um, Things start to get progressively weird. She sees Odomay again, but like in a different part of town. She's like, Odomay, and they have kind of like this quick, really quick conversation, but it's sort of like the same, you know, nothing in the same words, but it's it's all, it's a source of the same basic conversation as almost as if Odomay didn't see Demi earlier. Um, and she asked Demi like the same questions, but asked, you know, differently phrased. Um, Demi's day continues. Um, her display is opening that evening at the gallery. So she has lots and lots to do. So that's all that set up as well. She starts to notice little patterns forming, like tiny Groundhog Day things. Like she sees the same plumber's truck. It goes <laughs> past again. And she's like, that's weird. And, you know, and that's why it's got the distinctive thing on it. She's like, the same thing. Um, and she sees it again later. Um, you know, like not always almost hitting her or anything, but it's just, you know, it's, it's making itself known. Um, another thing, she's, she also, Demi keeps seeing the same man who's like wearing hat and glasses. You know what, I'm gonna say uh, it's Stephen Tablowski, just because I wrote Groundhog Day, but it's Tablowski. Um, and, you know, she keeps seeing him on the street or outside the cafe or in the entrance hall to the gallery or outside her apartment building. And he always seems very distressed and he's always kind of staring off into the middle distance and he's always muttering to himself, very distressed, muttering intently. And one time Demi sees him and she's close enough to hear the words he's always issuing and he's saying, oh God, oh God, God in heaven, have mercy, 
and all this like over and over again but she's always like about to say are you okay but then she's distracted and something happens now this is all really condensed stuff this is like 15 20 minutes of film time all of this um at around the 15 or 20 minute mark after a nice build-up within the scene again outside in a busy street the crowds part and there he is undeniably right there in front of her and it's Sam and he's wearing the same clothes <laughs> and she reacts and it's frozen and stunned and she can't believe it and she rushes to him and instinctively goes to throw her arms around him but you know he holds up his arms like whoa whoa you know and, and she stops herself like oh yeah I can't hug you of course but they say I love you um, and you know the Righteous Brothers why not it kicks in and the camera does a 360 around them and it's very intense and romantic and emotional and and he's there and he's on the street with her uh, and every, everyone else around them is all forgotten. And he lays it on her. He tells her he's back to stop her death, which is due, but, uh, but can be stopped. And more, it's not her time. And she says, but Sam, we'll be together. And he's like, you know, no, Molly, there's a chance you, you may not go where I am, implying she's going to go to fucking hell. Um, and she's like, what? Um, she says she knew there was something weird and special about this day. Like, you know, she says she says about the truck and the Toblowski man and the weird conversations with Odomay and stuff. And Sam is kind of acts like cryptic about this. And he's not giving straight answers and evading questions a little bit. Um, and Sam says her death is not set in stone as it's not her time yet, but things are in motion that must be stopped. Um, and Demi's like, and this is why you've been sent back to me. And again, he, he sort of evades answering this question directly. Um, and I'll just say, we later learn uh, during a penny drop moment that he's not supposed to be there. Um, you know, he hasn't been sent to warn her and he's come more or less against, you know, what's referred to as the grand design, meaning God's will. I don't want to say, I don't, you know, I'm trying to keep heaven neutral or the concept of the afterlife so you know i'm not i'm going to try and avoid saying god or heaven within the context you know maybe humans within the film and demi would say it but sam never says god for example meaning there's an afterlife there's something but i don't want to make it just like there's god and there's devil and blah 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 um a new player by the way is at some point introduced another ghost um but like a quote unquote ranking ghost, like a real almost an angel type who has been sent to retrieve Sam. Um, and this is an extra complication. Uh, this other ghost, of course, is not a baddie. In fact, he's a very nice guy, but Sam of course has to save Demi and must avoid this guy at all costs. I don't know. Again, Denzel is too big in 1994. If this was like 1987, I would say absolutely Denzel for this. Denzel, I should say. But um, maybe Cuba Gooding Jr., but that's a bit what dreams may come. Um, I think Denzel's fight should be... Ghost was the biggest movie in 1990, right? Yeah. Everyone yeah, will be in true. on the sequel if they can be, right? It's true, but the, again, this is like post-Pelican Brief, post-Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I don't know if Denzel would do... Because it is a, small, a much smaller role. It's basically an extended cameo if, if it was Denzel. We can say Denzel, but I, I, I have to say, mm, like the same with Dalton, I, I, I'm seeing like a, 
I don't want to pepper it with massive names. I want, you know, Demi and and Sam to be. But yeah, you know, maybe maybe it's Denzel. Any case, maybe it's maybe bad, you get six I'm... degrees, Will Smith. <laughs> maybe, but uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Will Smith could work around this sort of time. Yeah. Oh, but he can't be like, damn, girl. <laughs> a little bit. Oh, <laughs> doesn't like my my Will Smith. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. He likes bag of ants. That's why he's a bag of ants. Oh, fan. Of he doesn't want to well, take yeah. that. Who, who doesn't? <laughs> he's kind of an angel in that, I think. So it, it works out. A huge bag of ants fan. I love it. So, so anyway, yeah. So Sam has to say. Demi and has, all, has to avoid this other angel, uh, devil. I mean, uh, that's not a twist giveaway. Uh, ghost is the word I'm looking for. Uh, so meanwhile, Demi is noticing more random occurrences around her. More than once, a random person in the street, in the gallery, etc. apparently, they like a creepy moment, they turn and look right at Sam. Um, and Demi mentions this, and it's Sam again evades and so at about the 40 or 50 minute mark the penny finally does a big drop um sam and demi have been trying to piece out piece together how and why demi's death is imminent because again it's not her time so things are in motion um and he's quizzing her as to her enemies etc um we're of course led to believe that her new boyfriend is who is a real Goldwyn wannabe is genuinely a Goldwyn wannabe and has dark designs. And there's not, you know, there's maybe the occasional ambiguous look or a pause at the end of a scene where she leaves the room and he sort of loses his smile, but it could be because he's worried about work or something, or he's worried about her because he knows that she still loves her dead ex and all this. But in a twist of sorts, um, we do discover that he is actually a nice and innocent dude and it's Catherine Hahn, or you know, the equivalent. It's the ex-wife, which is almost like a double twist because it's so obvious that it's the ex-wife. I hope no one would see it coming, but I don't know. But in any case, it is the ex-wife who is the mastermind baddie here. And she's planning on getting rid of the Tony Goldwyn. Um, and to do that, she's gonna frame him for Demi's death and Demi will be just collateral damage. Um, she has to do this so she can claim uh, the 51% of the gallery stock because they built the gallery together when they were married, but then divorced. And if she kills him, you know, all his shares will go to the stockholders and all of that. So she has to get him to put in prison, which is that loophole where she will then get all of the stock. And so that is basically the, the background of why all of this is happening. Um, brilliant 90s plot, Sheppy. I love it. I know. It's good and well, well thought through. I love it. <laughs> so her plan is to fuck him up and to do that, she'll kill Debbie. Um, and, you know, and of course she's like, but Demi's death will be a bonus <laughs> because you know, she's like, you know, he stole my man. So um, as Sam and Demi get closer to the truth, the more things around Demi really don't make sense. And they reach the end point. They're on the street. They're actually always in the same five locations when they're, you know, they're, they're outside the flat, they're in the cafe, they're in the gallery, uh, the same two outdoor streets and Demi mentions it. It's kind of like a Truman show, you know, in three seconds, a blue Volkswagen's gonna drive past type moment. Um, 
there's even like a, how did we end up here? I thought we were heading back to my flat pipeline. Uh, also, Demi keeps seeing like a crowd gathering and it's getting larger every time she sees it. Like it's like a couple of people at first. And the next time she sees this crowd, it's five or six. And then it's larger and larger. And this time it's like over 20 people at least gathered on a street corner looking at some hubbub. Um, and after lots of moments like what's going on and, you know, and sand distracts her and so on, finally she forcefully like moves through the crowd and sounds like, wait. And she's like, no, let me see, let me see. And she's going through the crowd and uh, Sam just catches up to her and instinctively he's like, no. And he reaches out and grabs her arm and there's like this moment and she looks down and sees him holding her. And he, she's like, Sam, how can you be touching me? And she turns and the crowd parts and she sees herself lying in the road and she's bloody and she's been hit by this plumber's truck, um, which is skidded to a stop nearby. And Tobolowski just you know, witnessed the, uh, the, the moment of her being hit by this. And he's there being like, oh God, oh God, on the street. Um, and we discover that right from the off, this isn't Earth as we know it. This has been Demi in her own form of purgatory. Uh, you know, and Sam's like, this is not Earth. It never was. Uh, she's not yet dead, but she's like between worlds and she's lying on the road, you know, like only like a minute after being hit by this truck. And she's got the classic blood coming out of her mouth a little bit. But, um, you know, it's been several lifetimes. It's been an eternity. I mean, like, time is meaningless in this weird Groundhog Day purgatory thing. So as she's been lying in the road, slowly slipping away, she's, as a ghost of sorts, been reliving her last few hours over and over and over and over again. Um, and Sam has disobeyed the rules of, let's say, heaven and traveled here to help her. And Sam's like, Molly, this is not the end for you. You can still be saved. You're not dead yet. Um, so Sam has been able to get there because her death is not natural and that it's not her time. Now, this is explained, you know, it's a loophole why she's in this weird Groundhog Day situation because none of this would have happened if Sam hadn't died um, originally. Like, in fact, she and he are only able to be there because she was a maid, she's been made aware of the afterlife. See, the loophole is, again, like you, she's been painting pictures of heaven and the, her knowledge that there is absolutely an afterlife changed her, of course, profoundly, it would change anyone, knowing that, you know, it's not just, it's not faith, she knows there's something else afterwards. And that ch that's changed things. Um, so she's been inspired to create art due to this knowledge um, and it's led, you know, and that led her to the gallery owner, which led her to the, you know, ex-husband, which led to her being almost murdered. So it's almost heaven's fault because she knew about heaven and that, so that's the loophole. Um, so heaven, or, you know, at least her knowledge of it, uh, again, I'm calling it heaven, but whatever it is, separates her from most of the rest of humanity um, so in some way, heaven is culpable to her murder. Um, and we learn, of course, that it was no accident and she was pushed in front of this truck. And we learn who pushed her. It wasn't Catherine Hahn, but it was uh, a real Willy Lopez wannabe. Uh, and this is Mark Alemo. Um, Mark Alemo, who always looks shifty and ratty and sweaty and on the edge of panic. Um, 
nasty, scary man, uh, apparently a moral man, but actually, as we now, as Sam and Demi discovered, you know, as we see more of him, we find out he's mentally ill. He's totally fucked. He's actually Catherine Hahn's brother, but he's always been unbalanced. So he's not just a, you know, unrepentant Willy Lopez wannabe. Like he's unbalanced, and his sister has been bullying and manipulating and threatening and emotionally and mentally uh, abusing him his whole life. So as we get to know him more, he has an element of sympathy. He did push Demi in front of this plumber's truck. Um, so now they, Sam has to prove that this happened once on this loop as such, they've discovered the truth. So the film is very much in two halves. The first half is Sam and Demi. And then the second half is Sam go, leaves purgatory and goes to the real world as a ghost, and he seeks out Odomay, and then it's they team up again, and the second half is heavily Odomay and Sam adventures again, because they, they're a good team and want to give the audience what they want. So he gets out into the real world, he tracks down Odomay, and then of course there's funny shit where, you know, he contacts her in the real world. She, uh, Demi can't leave, um, so it has to be Sam. Um, and so he contacts Odomay and there's a funny scene where he interrupts a live broadcast of her terrible TV show and, you know, hijinks ensue and, uh, and so forth. Um, and so, yeah, that, that can be funny. Uh, Sam and Odomay must now find the evidence of the ex-wife's plan and connection with the nasty man, Mark Alemo. Uh, they discover that he or she uh, was going to plant evidence and lead police to the hubby. So they, they need to get their hands on the evidence. Um, spoilers, they, they do get the evidence and they do make it to the police. Now, I should say, when Sam got to the real world, it's a bit of sci-fi element here because he comes out because the purgatory time loop, you know, it's a loop. So it starts with the beginning of Demi's last day, basically. Um, so they've got a few hours. So when Sam goes to the real world, it starts at the beginning of the day. So Demi is still alive, but he can't get Odomay to warn her because then that will fracture the time loop. It gets sci-fi, like I say, but they can't. It's, it's the only way I can say, like, well, why don't they just go and warn Demi? Uh, they can't. They can't interfere. With it. She has to get, like, put in danger for the time loop. Otherwise, she's going to get sent to hell. Um, so they can't interfere with that. They just have to find the evidence um, and try and solve it. They can't, you know, they have to solve it organically. They can't just go, oh, don't go over there because there's another plumber truck going to hit you. Um, so Sam and Odomay are against the clock, of course, because, you know, she gets hit by the truck at like 12 minutes past one in the afternoon. So they've just got a few hours. Um, they discover the truth. They think it's the boyfriend as well, of course, until they discover otherwise. And of course, Sam is very biased against his new boyfriend. And that's a huge element of, of you know, what's going on. And, you know, maybe his assumption rubs off on the audience because, of course, we're on Sam's side. We want Demi to be with Sam. But then it's proved otherwise. Now, I hinted earlier that Sam and Demi find this out, but I figure it must be Sam and Odome. And so we find out the main plot about Catherine Hahn's plan and so forth in the second half with Detective Sam and Odomay. Um, they have like a 
Sam has a good conversation and argument with Oda May, um, and she's you know about how she and you know she's saying he's jumping to assumptions about the Tony Goldwyn wannabe, and Sam's like, why are you taking this guy's side? And she's like, there are no sides, Sam. There's one person who's trying to kill Molly, and there's one person who's not. And Sam's like, well, he's guilty. And Oda May's like, why? Because he dares to like Molly. He dares to care for her. Truth is, you should be thanking him for making sure she's okay. You gotta let her go, Sam. And that's in the trailer. And Sam's like, <laughs> you don't do that. <laughs> it's like, he's not right for her. He has nothing for her. And Oda May's like, well, he's got a pulse. And that's a step up, you ask me. <laughs> so, and there's also like a bit of a truly madly deeply thing going on with this as well, of course. Because there, you know, there is like Demi should move on and meet someone else you know it's been four years it's healthy she shouldn't waste her life pining more than Sam so there's that element of the strong part of this as well um so yeah there's this whole large element where Sam's mistrust and even hatred of this guy who has designs on his body um and also of course in this time loop well in this reality Demi is still out and about um and so Odome with Sam, but of course he's invisible. So Odome has to avoid Demi at all point and not interfere, but they're not 100% successful. And at one moment in a time travel head fuck sort of moment, Odome with Sam there accidentally, while on their mission, maybe you know, following Mark Alemo, uh, they bump into Demi in the street. And we find out that this is the meeting that Demi was quote unquote remembering which, she was, which we, the audience, have seen different versions of in her loop, because in her morning, she did bump into Odome, and that's why she's in that little purgatory loop. But she bumped into Odome because Sam was there on this mission. So that's why Odome is all flustered, and it's a real tenant wannabe, in that we see the same conversation between Demi and Odome, but now we see Sam there as well, and it explains little things where like that's she's nice. like, swatting away a fly but we find out it's like sam and she's like get away with me that sort of thing <laughs> so that's that's nice uh, so yeah so we see the original meeting and, and the meeting and so on um sam but they avoid uh, upsetting things with the demi situation sam and odome find nasty mark Lane man uncover the truth find the evidence to alert the police um, the ex-wife has all this evidence and stuff, and there's a cool, tense scene that Oda May has to break into the, you know, Catherine Hahn's office in the gallery to try and break into the safe to get what they need. But the ex-wife, of course, is getting closer, coming home, uh, get, coming back to the gallery office, let's say, and she's, like, looking for her keys and, and all this, and Sam is, like, the lookout, being the ghost, and he's, like, knocking plants over and shit to, you know, to like, try and delay... Catherine Hahn, and then he like rushes, Sam rushes back to the office, trying to be, and he's going to warn Oda May, and like she's there, like delicately trying to, you know, like stethoscope, trying to like open the safe, and Sam's face just suddenly comes out, you know, ghost style, out of the face, like inches in front of Oda May, and he's like, you know, she's coming, she's coming, you've got to hide, and Oda May's like, ah, stop with that creepy, you know, that creepy, deaky ghost shit, Sam. Um, but Again, she avoids being detected. She finds the stuff. They escape the office, but it's like a nice, tense and funny scene. Um, by the end, um, the other ghost is getting closer and closer, um, and, but, and he's like 
keeps almost getting Sam and taking him back to the afterlife because he's like, you can't be doing this interference. But at the end, and he's kind of a Jack McGee during all of this, and it could even be like a chase sequence where he's chasing Sam, and it's like the Vincent thingy bit where he's jumping between, you know, uh, underground subway cars. There's like a chase between ghosts, which could be a good thing. He's like jumps into a bus and then jumps out onto a taxi and all sorts of things. Um, but by the end, the other ghost sees what Sam is doing, sees the truth, um, the culpability of heaven and so forth, and he helps out a nasty man, Mark Lamo brother, as the drop on Odome at the end, and he's gonna do something like smash her over the head with a stick or something, and Sam is powerless to help at that point. And it really looks like it might be curtains for Odome, but the uh, ghost angel, ghost two, Denzel maybe, steps up and interferes and uh, breaks his own rules and saves Odomay's life. And he passively like shows himself and the power he represents to the nasty man who then freaks out, but he doesn't do a really Lopez and he doesn't die, but he freaks out um, and he questions everything he's ever known. He's seen like the inescapable absolute proof that there is an afterlife, which makes him repent and he turns himself into the police and you know, gives up his sister as well. He's clearly deranged, and you, you know, we know he will be, you know, given help he needs. And he's not going to be manipulated by his sister anymore, so he's going to be okay, more or less. He's going to be fucking arrested, but he's going to go to like a, a nice psychiatric hospital. Uh, and so that's basically that's the end of Act Two, anyway. And then the third act is Sam Odome, Ghost Two, and Demi. Um, We've been totally led to believe that they will be able to stop Demi being hit by this truck. But in a kind of a last twist, we learn that this is not the case. It's like Judgment Day. It is inevitable. And that, in a, you know, just when you're expecting Demi to be saved at the last minute by Sam or Odome uh, or the boyfriend even, they're, they're all rushing to stop you know, the moment. But even without Mark Alemo, it's been set in stone or whatever. And you know, maybe Catherine Hahn is like, I won't be stopped. And she runs up and she pushes Demi. But she, bottom line, Demi is, maybe it's like everything's going to be okay. Catherine Hahn's been arrested. Mark Alemo's been sent away to the loony hatch. Demi's going to be fine. But then, you know, like a little boy with his stupid ball bounces in front of the truck and the truck swerves. And so it hits her anyway, or something like that. So she still gets hit by the truck. She's still on the street. She's still got that little bit of cliche blood coming out of her mouth. And now we're like, oh shit, Demi is totally gonna die. Um, uh, and you know, Sam and Oda May are on the street and maybe the other ghost, and maybe even ghost Demi now from Purgatory pops up. So they're all on the street again, watching Demi on the, or, you know, human Demi bleed out on the street. Um, and you know, Tobolowski's there and he's, oh God, oh God. And Demi's starting to slip away. And this is where uh, yeah, the ghost two angel moment, you know, he has his moment and he says that the loop has been closed and Demi has a choice. She can die and join Sam in heaven or continue on her life path and stay there with the new guy. And, you know, of course she wants to join Sam, but he stops her and he sort of comes full circle after being really jealous and nasty but after what Odome said to him and so on. 
you know, he's seen that the new guy loves her and wants to, you know, be there for her. And, you know, sees, and she, you know, he sees the Tony Goldwyn, like, crying and rushing to her on the street and, you know, he loves you. Uh, Sam finds, like, a peace with this and says, you have to continue to live, uh, you know, and that doesn't just mean to stay alive and to mourn him, but, to, yeah, and to stay alone forever, but to truly live is to move on. And, you know, that won't invalidate their love. But part of life's journey is to evolve and to move on and to continue the journey as a whole human, not a shell waiting for death, etc. So in a final little revelation, she decides to stay on Earth with the new guy and she sort of wakes up and coughs and she's on the street, but she's going to live. And the ghost, too, says, you know, things like um, in the afterlife, it's not as clear as you would think, you know, as people make them out in in their heads on this plane of existence. Like humans, you know, there's a beginning and a middle and an end, you know, uh, but, you know, in the next place, everything is everything. There's no time as such, basically meaning you can love and lose and love again in this world, and it won't make things awkward in heaven. You know, Angel Ghost is saying like, she may find new love, maybe with this guy, maybe with another guy, the afterlife isn't linear and it isn't clear and it certainly can't be fully understood from the perspective of the living but there is a pattern to life to existence one love does not cancel out another and what happens on earth shall not reflect the realities of what comes next and after that little speech Odome says to him so you're saying in heaven three ways and uh, the ghost too kind of shakes his head in enigmatic humor. Um, so then Sam says his goodbyes and takes his uh, peace and leaves uh, with Angel Ghost. And they know that whatever happens, Sam and Demi will meet again. Uh, so in an emotional, like I say, like truly madly deeply esque ending uh, where Sam and Ghost Angel leave for heaven and Demi stays on earth for now, her place in his kingdom assured and her journey on this earth to continue as it was always meant to and that's the end Sheppy, that is the sequel man that's fucking beautiful i've got a tagline i've got a couple of taglines and they're not very good um one of them i'm quite happy with actually but i think it's ahead of its time but um one of the sequels uh one of the taglines is literally just a spiritual sequel which i quite like um <laughs> Another one, I believe um, the tagline of the first film was believe, was one of the taglines anyway. So this one is believe in more. You sort of add into that. Believe again. And the other one. No. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and yeah, yeah, yeah the, the magic is here again. And um, the last one, of course, I like my baba, 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 babas. So this one is uh, separated by death, bound by fate. Love endures forever. Uh, so that's my ghost too. Nice, Sheb. It's freaking amazing. It's so well considered, man. I just... Uh, I <laughs> you remembered the original so well, though, to pull through. Lots I was of, surprised. Tonally by as well. Like, you really got the tone of it perfect. Where mine's very dark. Like, I think you, you, you nailed it. And you nailed the bit that was still 
you know, it's that Toy Story 4 sort of, what else is there to tell? Well, actually, Woody is not quite rounded. He hasn't got his closure yet, and Demi doesn't really have her closure yet. And I think that's really, you know, what what next for her at the end of the original Ghost? You, this is exactly the thread to pull, man. That's brilliant, mate. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Um, yeah. I'm, gl- I'm glad we, bo- <laughs> we both took it quite seriously, which is great. We could have gone ghost colon ditto or something, you know, <laughs> gone really silly. But, uh, but we didn't. Um, so that's really nice, man. So good. And I'm so glad Tobo's in it as well. I think he's the perfect kind of character to be popping up in that role. And yeah, man, brilliant. Yeah, no, it's like clearly typecast after Groundhog Day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I was going to rewatch the first. I think it's on Netflix. And I was going to check it out at some point. But um, the very basic idea sort of popped in my head when I was walking the dog. So I wrote it down, but then the rest sort of just came out. So, so yeah, so it, it was very gratifying. So that's why I love your suggestions, Jimmy. They're much more fun for me to write than my own suggestions um, because it's <laughs> stuff that I possibly would never think, think of. And so it's like, yeah, so it's nice. They, like, it surprised me as well. Nice, man. Well, look, let's, what have you got for us for next week, Sheps? What's the next pitch? Right. I'm still like 50-50 on the fence. Like, I don't <laughs> know what words are going to come out because it really is 50-50. In the future, oh. you have to tell me what the other half was. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to do the other one at some point, but it's for, for this right now. Um, oh, okay, you know what? Oh, God. I, honestly, I, I'm going to go either way. Um, all right. I'm going to go just because it's something... You could say that my other choice that I was so close to, but maybe the tone is just a tiny bit similar to Ghost. Maybe that's just in my head, but I'm going to go for something totally different. And brace yourself, Jimmy, because you're in for a bumpy ride. I'm talking TV show. I'm talking prequel TV show, but within continuity. Uh, to Commando. <laughs> John and Bennett, the early years. Yeah. Right? yeah oh exactly. my God. Exactly. It can be as many episodes or as many seasons as you like. Um, in, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say, for whatever reason, however this works, I don't know how he finds the time, but it is Arnie. You don't have to go. I, I, I think there's no point in it not being Arnie as John Matrix. So it's Arnie. You know, I think that's just has to happen and it's a prequel show but it's made you know i mean again i'll leave this to you but i see it you know of course i see it's prequel so obviously it's pre-commando and commando is 85 so just take that as you will amazing all right ben (laughs) that's that's a lot of fun (laughs) and is there like i mean because i guess like just broad structure of seasons what happens broadly yada yada yeah, yada, yeah. Okay, i think cool. so right. yeah. cancel yeah. at a certain point <laughs> yeah you know it didn't we'll see maybe it did really well i like to think that in one of these universes every two years like a roger moore bond film arnie's making a conan film and i also like to think in between that he's making like yeah t- the tv show of commando like between seasons he runs off into the conan and that's his whole career in the 80s. Like he does a Conan, he does a season. It's like Shatner with TJ Hooker. And then between seasons, he would go and make Star Trek 4 or whatever. It's like that. That's Arnie's career. In this 
Very strange. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, wicked, man. Well, this was a lot of fun. It was, uh, mate. You, you it so smashed much. it, Chefs. It's beautiful. Jeez, if it, oh, bless him. If Swayze was still alive, I'd say you just bloody write that and get it in to well, Hollywood, you know? You're um, looking a bit it, older, Sam. It's like, you know, we age in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the jiggery pokery they can do now, Chefs, you know, to make it ghostly anyway. But um, yes. yeah, that was beautiful, man. Anyway. Love it. Um, well, to sign off, any anything fitting that you can think of for the, uh, the boys and girls at home? Yes, the love that I have inside for you, Sheppy. I hope I take it so, with me. I feel like I'm going to vomit clay, but all right, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Very nice. We'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at shoulderspod.com or shoulderspod at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.